Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're covering chapter 20 of Mysteries of Creation, starting on pages 191 and going to the end of the book on page 199. The title of this chapter is Conclusion. I'll dedicate the program and we'll get right into this reading. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we look forward to the time of Zion's redemption. That when a people do all that you have commanded, that we on earth will establish Zion below that Zion from above would descend down upon the earth with the church of the firstborn that we might have fellowship with thee and with thy sons and daughters who are righteous with the prophets and apostles and those who have lived obedient unto thy word We love thee, Father, and we ask for thy blessings to be upon us. We ask thee, Father, at this time to forgive us of our sins and our transgressions. Help our hearts be soft unto thy word, that we might accept the truths of the everlasting gospel and the mysteries of creation. We love thee, Father, and we thank thee for the plan of salvation that thou hast brought forth in thy Son, Jesus Christ, or Yeshua, our Messiah. We ask thee, Father, that we might be inspired by thy Spirit to do the things that thou would have us do, to be part of thy kingdom that we might do the work that is needed here on the earth in obedience, that we might be tools in thine hand to bring forth the redemption of Zion and the education of those who are ready to hear these words. We love thee, Father, and we thank thee for all of our many blessings. We thank thee, Father, for our time on earth, that we might go through the experiences that thou hast seen fit to bring us closer unto thy presence and to understanding the things that thou would have us understand and learn the things that thou would have us learn in this life. We thank thee, Father, for everything that thou has done for us, and we ask for thy blessings to be upon us and the Spirit to be opened up unto us, that thy blessings might be poured down upon us. We ask for these things father and we thank thee for all that thou hast done in the name of messiah amen conclusion chapter 20 of mystery mysteries of creation pages 191 to 199 in the beginning the head of the gods or the elohim called a council of the gods, or the Elohim, and they came together and concocted a plan to create the world and people it. Joseph Smith, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 349. The mysteries of creation are similar to the mysteries of the gospel. They often become intertwined with each other. Unfortunately, because of insufficient and conflicting information, many of the details remain unclear. 
In this book, we have presented scriptures and the sayings of the prophets to help resolve some of these mysteries. Hopefully a few more place a few more pieces of this masterful puzzle have fit into place. The following 24 points are presented here by way of summary and review. Number one, our mortal minds cannot begin to comprehend the expanse and complexities of the of our universe with its numberless galaxies, solar systems, and worlds. Number two, great men in both science and religion agree that this a supreme being created the the heavens and the earth. Number three, the earth itself is alive and is obedient to the creator. Number four, since the word create came from a word meaning to organize, our world was created or organized from eternal elements, not upon a principle of something out of nothing. Or on page 192 at 7%. Number five, many theories exist as to how this earth was born but the most logical explanation is that it came from a larger planet, probably as a result of some type of explosion. Number six, regarding the creation of this earth, when the age of the existence of our solar system is 2.5 to 4 billion years old, where the earth was organized near the planet Kolob, why? to provide a place for the spirit children of God to obtain a mortal body and experience mortality. Who? God the Father, the God of this world, not Jesus Christ, created the physical earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. However, he did not act alone. So basically, um, so all of these things we've covered in this book over the last... I don't know, uh, 20, 20 plus episodes, maybe. Um, I can't remember if we had to do a part two in one or two of the chapters, but um, basically over the last 20 episodes, we've talked about all of these things. So basically, we're just going over a summary of what we've talked about in reading this book and the commentary that I've provided. Um and just getting back to Jesus Christ, there's a lot of Christians that believe that he created everything um, because they do not understand, uh, well, a lot of things. But Jesus Christ organized, which is a word that should have been used in place of create, because to create in Hebrew means to organize, right? Jesus Christ organized the spirits in heaven before they came down onto the earth. That was his job as a creator. But it was Michael, under the direction of Jehovah our Elohim, who actually created and named this earth and the plants and animals that came to this earth. And he was the one who chose which animals would come here from another, uh, another world or an older earth. So let's see here. Um, why? To provide a place for spirit children of God to obtain a mortal body and experience mortality. Who? God the Father, the God of this world, not Jesus Christ, created this physical earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. However, he did not act alone. How long? Since God's time and man's time are not the same, it is difficult to determine how, exactly how long it took to create this earth. A key, however, is that one day for God equals about a thousand years for man's. Number seven, this earth was first created spiritually and then temporally. And in the future, as an immortal sphere, it will be accomplished, or I'm sorry, it will be a combination of both. Eight, many of the terms used in describing members of the Godhead are titles, not personal names, such as Elohim, Jehovah, God, 
um, only begotten and Christ. Various individuals can hold these titles and offices at the same time or at different times. Number nine, during biblical times and even up into the turn of the 20th century in the LDS church, it was believed and taught that God the Father was the Jehovah of the Old Testament. Then in the late 1880s, the concept was introduced and accepted that Jesus Christ was really Jehovah and thus the creator of the earth. And we've talked about that before. In Ether chapter 3, Jesus says to Mohanre Moriankmer, or the brother of Jared, Behold, this is my spirit body. This is what I'll look like when I come in the flesh. And I've not appeared to anyone before this time. And that was after the flood, after the Tower of Babel, when that happened, or right around the time of the Tower of Babel that happened. So Jesus says, this is the first time I'm appearing to men on the earth. Well... That's interesting because Jehovah, our Elohim, appeared many times before that. He appeared uh, in the garden to Adam and Eve. He appeared to Methuselah. He walked and talked with Enoch. And there's many more before the flood that he appeared to and he spoke to. But Jesus said he had never appeared to anyone before. Also, after the flood, Jehovah came down with others of his angels who were in bodily form as resurrected beings. And this is before the resurrection on this earth. And Jehovah sat in the tent with Abraham and had a meal of meat and dairy with him. With a body. But Jesus, after that, he says, I... I, I'm a spirit being. And this is what I'll look like when I come in the flesh, but this is my spirit. Also, in Moses chapter 1, the first six verses, Jehovah is speaking to, to Moses. And in verse 6, Jehovah says, Moses, you're in the very similitude of my only begotten son. Jehovah's only begotten son, which if you want to get into basics, that that could be Jesus Christ. But if you understand the Adam God doctrine, Jehovah's only begotten son was Michael. So Moses is in the very similitude of Michael and Michael's only begotten son was Jesus. Um... And that's a hard one for people in the modern church to, to grasp or understand, especially since there's been denials from the leadership of the church. But they want to say, oh, they're going to correct Brigham Young because he led you astray in this heresy and this, this apostate doctrine that he was teaching. And by the way, he wasn't the only one teaching it. Joseph Smith taught it. Many others in the leadership of the early church taught it. And um, and the other thing is, like, Brigham Young led the church as prophet, seer, and revelator from, what, 1845 till his death in uh, August 29th of 1877. And the leadership of the church today will say that the prophet, seer, and revelator and the apostles of the church can never lead you astray. But they say that Brigham Young led you astray, and he was the leader of the church for all of that time, you know. Um, and there's many other things. In fact, if you want to go over a very in-depth uh, overview of the Adam God Doctrine, I have done those uh, podcasts in the past, and you can find those on um, blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. Um, and you can also read... Um, Michael Adam, which is a book at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. And you can, uh, you know, you can read the evidence for that. Uh, and there's some other really good books by Drew, sorry, Drew Briney and other people who have gone over these 
these things and presented them in a way that is uncontrovertible. It is undeniable that these things were taught as doctrine. And, um, and it's sad that the LDS Church, in its mad dash to be popular with the world, has gotten rid of these doctrines of the Restoration in order to become more normalized with the world in an attempt to be friends with the world to gain more converts. And, um, and what I would say is, uh, if a prophet, seer, and revelator, uh, as the LDS Church considers him, who is Brigham Young, could lead the church astray, then when you say that you can't, you're being very hypocritical because the LDS Church, if if their foundational leaders led them astray in false doctrine, who's to say that they can't do that as well? And this is the whole reason why, um, why you can't put your trust in the flesh. And just because some guy says something, like you can't just accept that as truth. You've actually got to go to God and study these things out for yourself and get confirmation of the Holy Spirit and revelation on these subjects in order to understand them. The Adam-God doctrine is very, oh, it's very difficult to understand. There's many different ways to come at it. I've heard so many different ways uh, that the different fundamentalists uh, talk about the Adam-God doctrine and they make up all kinds of reasons and excuses to make it all fit into their theology. Um, you've really got to get your own revelation on the matter. And you're not going to get revelation on the matter if you don't study the topic out. Because God, if you don't take it seriously, God's not going to take you seriously, in my opinion. Anyway, number nine, during biblical times, and even up to the t- turn of the 20th century in the LDS Church, it was believed and taught that God the Father was the Jehovah of the Old Testament. Then in the late 1880s, the concept was introduced and accepted that Jesus Christ is really Jehovah and thus the creator of the world. And we are on page 193 at 19%. And topic 10 is the title of the only begotten can and does apply to God the Father as well as to Jesus Christ. Jesus was not the only begotten of the Father in a spiritual sense, as we are all begotten sons and daughters of God. However, he is literally the only begotten of the Father in the flesh. So, how I would talk about this is, after, so if you you take the Adam-God doctrine, so a lot of people don't, understand how this all fits together because Adam had Cain and Abel and Seth and many, 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 many others with his wife Eve, right? At the end of Adam's life and the end of Eve's life, they were translated and ascended from a telestial to a terrestrial level resurrection they came to this earth with as exalted beings as celestial exalted beings and they partook of the fruit of this earth to descend from a from a celestial level resurrection down to a telestial level resurrection so that they could have physical children to populate this earth At the end of their thousand years, in the beginning of the history of this earth, they were both translated. And when it was time for Jesus Christ to be born, it was Adam as a terrestrial being who impregnated Miriam or Mary and the the son, the only begotten of this world, was conceived and the reason why that had to happen was so that as the sins and transgressions of the world came upon him, he was able to to heal himself. So when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he 
had the sins and transgressions coming upon him and it was literally tearing his flesh apart. And that's why he bled from every pore. And because he was able to heal himself as he healed others in his lifetime in ministry, he was able to heal himself and to survive the excruciating pain of the sins and the transgressions of this whole world coming upon him and and crushing him like a grape in the wine press. This is why Jesus needed to be part terrestrial and part part, uh, telestial. He took those things upon himself and then he sealed those things upon himself on the cross. He was put in the tomb as a dead man and he was resurrected on the third day, which was the day of first fruits. He appeared unto his wife, Mary, not his mother, but his wife, Mary Magdalene, who the Christian churches have turned into a harlot and a wicked, evil, uh, possessed woman, but she was not. Those are lies. And he said to her, touch me not or hold me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go unto my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and to your father. Meaning, I ascend unto my father, Adam, Michael, and your father, Adam, Michael, and to my God or my Elohim. And that would be Jehovah and your Elohim, Jehovah. He presented himself to his father on the day of first fruits and brought him back to a celestial level resurrection from whence like that's where he came from as he was a celestial being him and his wife were celestial beings before they came here and became the adam and eve of this world so anyway continuing on and like i talk about all these things in this podcast going over these last 20 plus chapters uh, or podcasts that i've talked about Number 11, it is easier to understand the concept that this world was created by the only begotten when it is understood that the earth refers to the physical elements comprising the sphere and the world refers to all of mankind upon it. Thus God the Father acting as an only begotten created the earth and um, and Jesus Christ organized the world or the spirits that would come upon this earth. So, um, number 12, all are begotten sons and daughters of God. Some begot- become begotten of the Son through obedience to the gospel ordinances, and a few even become begotten to the devil because of their own unrighteousness. Number 12, or number 13, all men, including Jesus, who are born on this earth are confined to it until they become gods themselves. Thus, Jesus Christ could not be the creator of other worlds. Number 14, The earth was actually created by a plurality or a quorum of gods. Elohim, or the council of the gods, Jehovah, our Elohim, and Michael, with Michael being the principal creator. Others, of course, assisted in some way. So, in the endowment, we have the council of the gods, or the Elohim, under the direction of God the Eternal Father, Uh, basically telling Jehovah to take Michael to create the earth. Jehovah is one of our Elohim, as we uh, can find in the Hebrew Bible. All over the Hebrew Bible, Jehovah is called our uh, our Elohim, or Jehovah Elohim, Yehovah Elohim. So he is one of the Elohim. Jehovah, or Yehovah, brought Michael to this earth 
and showed him how to do the work. But it was Michael who created this earth. It was Michael who brought the animals from other worlds and the plants from other worlds to this earth. And it was Michael who did the work of naming them, which is part of the creation. Michael did the work. Joseph Smith taught that God the first or the father is called the creator. God the second is called the redeemer and God the third is called the witness. And as a witness, I'm telling you that Michael is the creator. He's the one that did the work. He did the work under under Jehovah because Jehovah had done the work on a previous earth and Jehovah was showing him how the work was to be done. And they were all under the direction of the council of the gods, which is under the direction of God, the eternal father. Number 15, both God and Jesus Christ can act in the role of the father. So Jesus Christ is our father for those of us who have accepted him as our savior. That's how he becomes a father. But Michael is our father, both physically, because he is the father of the human family, but also spiritually because on an older earth he was also a redeemer and he bought us with the price of redemption. So quite literally, Michael is our father both spiritually and physically and Jesus Christ is our father spiritually, but when he becomes a new Adam, which it talks about in the New Testament, he will become our father physically and spiritually. See, the old Adam was Michael. The new Adam that we have to look forward to when the earth, this earth becomes a fire of sea and glass and joins in with the Shamaim or the, the heavens, that John sees another earth created and Jesus Christ will be the Adam of that earth. And the one who is God the witness will become the redeemer of that world. All right, let's see here. They can and often do think and act as one. However, there is there were limitations to Jesus' Jesus's power until he had gone through mortality here and was resurrected. Number 16, there are gods many and lords many. Even Abraham... Noah, Moses were referred to as gods or Elohim because of their particular appointments to speak and act as God. And in the Hebrew, Elohim doesn't mean just the gods, plural. It actually means the mighty ones or the exalted ones. So we're on page 194 at 30%. 17. Jesus went from grace to grace and did not receive a fullness at first, but he will receive a fullness of glory through resurrection and after all wickedness on earth is overcome. To be a creator requires all power and glory. Number 18. Both plant and animal life were brought here from another world. Since they are physical in nature, they could not have been transported here by a spirit being, only a a resurrected and glorified one. So, and I talked about the the space arcs (laughs) that, um, that my friend saw in vision, and I believe his vision to be true. Um, but they, but there's a lot of statements in early church history that talk about these things, how the plant life and the animal life was brought from another older earth. 19, let's see here. There are many different theories on how mankind originated on this earth, but God has revealed that it could be accomplished in no other way than procreation and generation. Let's see here. I have lost my place. Well, I'll just start off. Oh, there it is. 
Um, immortal and resurrected parents came to this earth from another sphere or an, an older earth and partook of mortal flu food, thus charging their bodies once more with blood and enabling them to provide mortal bodies for their spirit children. And I talked about how we are the spirit and physical children of Adam and Eve and how that happened in this series of podcasts. Uh, number 20, the work of an exalted being is to produce spirit children, create a physical earth for them, and then step down or fall in order to produce mortal bodies for his spirit children. Thus, such is the role of a Michael Adam, or the Ancient of Days, on our world, who with his wife Eve, or Ashura, became our first parents in mortality. Number 21, every world has an Adam and an Eve, a savior and a devil. Number 22, since the earth is a living creation, its history parallels many of the experiences of man, a spiritual creation, a fall from the presence of God, physical birth, baptism by water, a necessary atonement, physical death, resurrection, and baptism by fire and the Holy Ghost. Number 23. Because this world has descended into deeper levels of wickedness, both earth and, right and righteous men can achieve a greater exaltation by overcoming so much. And we're on page 195 at 41%. 24. This earth will become sanctified and celestialized. Will become like a sea of glass and re will return to its former residence with God. When Jesus makes the statement, I am the Father, it is similar to the analogy of a certain man who owns a large farm. He is the manager and the boss of that property because he bought it, prepared it, and planned for its operation. Then one day when he had, when he had other work to attend to, he called the oldest, best, and most qualified son to take his place and oversee the farm. This choice son assumes the place and role of his father and goes to the other children on the farm and reports, I am now the manager. I am the boss, and I, can ha I have taken the place of our father. From then on, he acts and speaks for and as his father. Often when a son learns well from his father, he grows up and speaks and acts like him. He may even look and think like him. He may be considered to be the image of his father. Throughout the edges of every religion of the world, gradually makes the changes in its history and doctrines and organizations. The Latter-day Saints are no ex exception. Before the turn of the century, the God of Mormonism was different from the one after that time. Their diversities rest upon the following points of doctrine. Formerly, the church leaders were taught that the Father was the creator of this earth. The Father was the creator of other similar earths. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and gave the law of Moses. He is the Jehovah of the Old Testament, and is the Jehovah of the New Testament. Jesus does not receive a fullness of glory as a God until he passes through mortality, is resurrected, and all wickedness in this world have, become, have been overcome. Number seven, Adam was an immortal being from another world. And we're on page 196 at 53%. Number eight, Adam received dominion and presides over every living creature on this earth. Number nine, Adam holds the keys of heaven and of all dispensations. He presides over the spirits of all men, and even Christ is revealed through the authority of Adam. Number 10. Michael was the name of our Father in heaven, who became the Adam of this and many other earths. 
At the turn of the century, the doctrines of Mormonism also took a turn. The following precepts began to be taught. Number one, Jesus is the creator of this earth. So these are differences from the early church. Number two, Jesus creates worlds without number. Number three, he was the God of the Old Testament. Number four, he is the God of the New Testament, even before the resurrection. See, these are the changes. This is not how things were taught in the early church. Joseph Smith did not restore these things. These are heresies that have crept into the church over time. Number five, he was the Jehovah of the Bible. Number six, we are all brothers to Adam. Number seven, Jesus brought all life into this earth. Number eight, he is our father. Number nine, Jesus receives all keys, authority, and power as a God before coming to this earth as a mortal. And let me just ask real quick, okay, why is it that Jesus has to receive all those keys of Adam and on diamond from Father Adam if he already had them? Just something to ponder over. Number 10, Jesus holds the keys of the universe before he was born. Uh, that's interesting. These are all things that the church has turned into. These are heresies and apostasy which has crept into the church and are not in, um, in unison with the early doctrines taught by Joseph Smith himself. This is why Jesus says in section 85 of the Doctrine and Covenants that he will have to send one who is mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, which implies that it would eventually become out of order, which it has. Continuing on with the reading. If all these things are true about Jesus Christ, then not much is left for the Father. On close examinations of these particular points, the present Mormon God is almost the same as that as the Catholics and Protestants. The modern Mormons and the modern Christian have in place and have in many places or sorry, have had in many instances placed Jesus Christ above the Father. The reason seems to be both because both because both have taken certain scriptures literally when they were originally intended to be figurative. And this is why you have to have revelation to understand the scriptures. You don't just go and think that your interpretation is correct without getting a confirmation of the Spirit. So, for instance, the rib story of Adam and Eve was written for the children of Israel who were no more advanced spiritually than the Egyptians. They both worshipped cows and sheep and whatever, but anyway. The correct concept of God, of the God of the creation, must be considered through the whole design of the plan of salvation. And we're on page 197, 65%. Too many people haggle over the interpretation of a few controversial scriptures and meet the complete conception and miss the complete conception of the gospel. Concept of the gospel. This is similar to the con contractor who spends his time contending over the size, composition, value, and use of nails and concrete, but fails to look at the entire blueprint of the building. It is certainly not the intent of this work to take away any rightful mission or honor that is due to Christ. But by the same token, we don't want to take away any tribute or reverence that is due the Father. 
Each must be respected and venerated in their rightful place and for their contributions to the creation and the salvation of mankind. Today in Mormonism, there is a considerable discrepancy in the belief about the identity of the Creator, knowledge of the true God of Mormonism, will never be gained by listening to the uh, teachings of all its leaders, because too many of them have taken an opposite point points of view a description of god the a description of god the god of mormonism varies with nearly every leader for these reasons an understanding of the true god can be comprehended only through the an understanding of the plan of salvation and by seeking the spirit of god in order to understand the things of God. By understanding our work of creation and the Creator, we can then comprehend the the possible destiny of man who can ultimately grow to become like the Father to be a God. This grand objective should never pass from the view of the Latter-day Saints, as Orson Pratt explained. O ye saints of the latter days, do not forget the high destiny that awaits you, and eternity is before you which has no end. A boundless space surrounds you, filled with an infinitude of worlds. The kingdoms, principalities, and heavenly powers that fill all the vast expanses are yours. And we're on page 198. It's 77%. The heights and depths and lengths and breadths and the riches, the honors, the wisdom and excellency, the knowledge and power the glory of all things and the fullness of all things are yours forever and ever. Blessed is he that overcometh, for he shall inherit all things. And that comes from the seer, page 300. When we understand the, the grand creation of earths and the organization of worlds, we will feel the reverence and praise that David felt when he wrote, Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens. And ye waters that be above the earth, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Psalms chapter 48, verses 2 through 5. Among the great prophets of this dispensation, Brigham Young stands in the forefront for the quantity and quality of inspired sermons. He has covered nearly every aspect of life and salvation in describing the ultimate future events of the faithful. He did not fail. Said he, we are of the earth earthy, and our Father is heavenly and pure. We will be glorified and purified if we obey our brethren and and the teachings which are given. When you see celestial beings, you will see men and women, but you will see those beings clothed upon with robes of celestial purity. We cannot bear the presence of our Father now, and we are placed at a distance to prove whether we will honor these tabernacles, whether we'll be, we'll be obedient and prepare ourselves to live in the glory of light, privileges, and blessings of celestial beings. We could not have the glory and the light without first knowing the contrast, and we're on page 
199 at 86%, which is the last page of this book. Do you comprehend that we could have no exaltation without first learning by contrast? When you are prepared to see our Father, you will see a being with whom you have long been acquainted, and he will receive you into his arms, and you will be ready to fall into his embrace and kiss him. As you would your fathers and friends that have been dead for a score of years. You will be so glad and joyful. Would you not rejoice when you are qualified and purified so that you can endure the glory of eternity, so that you can see your father and your friends who have gone behind the veil you will fall upon their necks and kiss them as we do an earthly friend that has been long absent from us and that we have been anxiously desiring to see. This is the people that are and will be permitted to enjoy the society of those happy and exalted beings. And that was Brigham Young, excuse me, Journal of Discourses, volume four, page 55. The creation of this world is more than an architectural masterpiece. It was designed as a proving grounds for man. With all the attendant cold, hunger, pain, and misery, it is a natural setting for the growth and experience of of man who is an embryo of God's. The potential destiny of man is beyond his own present comprehension. By faith and trust, by learning line upon line and precept upon precept, man will eventually acknowledge that this little piece of God's workmanship is truly a marvelous work and a wonder. And though it be so dark, so fallen and so wicked, it will be a It will be exalted to one of the highest places among the creations of the God. God. Sorry. And the creation of God. Those righteous men who become gods will then have the power and responsibility of creating their own earth. So, and I've talked about that before as well. So, all right. Well, that's the end of this book. It's my favorite book in all of the the Ogden Kraut works that I go over. Um, excuse me, I don't accept uh, Brigham Young as a prophet, seer, or revelator personally. I believe the church was rejected in 1844 um, with the death of Joseph Smith. And actually, it was rejected in 1843 when Lyman White recorded Joseph Smith talking about how the church is now in a fallen state and has been rejected. And he was referring to what Jesus Christ said in January of 1841 um, when he gave the revelation, which we know as Doctrine and Covenants, section 124. Jesus actually says, build a church. He tells Joseph Smith, build a church, in my name, where the Most High can come dwell therein, that he, the Most High, speaking of the Father, can restore that which was lost unto you, or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. Jesus says, if they do those things, he will fight their battles for them, and they shall not be removed from their place. He tells them all of these revelations and all of these blessings will happen in that place. Um basically the beginning of Zion's redemption. Um, But he also warns them, if you don't do what I say, instead of blessing, you receive cursings, wrath, indignation. Um, He also said that if you don't do what I say, you'll be rejected as a church with your dead. Um... And he curses them, all they who hinder this work, to the third and fourth generation, which is up to 160 years. 
And from 1843 to 2003 would be 160 years, and that's when I saw the Father and the Son face to face. And I knelt before the Father, and he gave me the fullness of the priesthood and the keys to do the work of the ministry on this earth, which include the keys to the kingdom, the church, and the priesthood. So, um, And this is all part of the setting in order. Part of the setting in order is to bring forth knowledge, to correct knowledge. Part of the setting in order that began in 2003, and actually began before that in 95, because that's when the father first uh, made himself known to me. Um, but in 2003, when I physically knelt before the father and the, or, well, the father himself, he um, put his hands upon my head and he sealed me up into himself. And this created a link turning the hearts of the fathers and the mothers in heaven through me to the children on the earth. So that when you're sealed to me through the law of adoption, you're sealed to them beyond the veil. So this is all part of that uh, setting in order. And uh, though there be few in number, um, this is how Jesus said it would be. It'll be like in the days of Noah's Ark. So anyway, um, so I'm just, we're done with this book. I think we're going to go on to reading a book called As It Is Translated Correctly, because I've been thinking about reading that book for a while, but I'm not exactly sure yet. And this will be the last podcast for this week. Um, I've got lots of stuff to do. Excuse me to get ready for work, and I'll be on on the truck doing oil-filled work for the next four days, and then I'll have a day or two to recover from that, and then I'll try to get more out, uh, more content out. But this will be it for this week. So anyway... Thank you for listening. I hope that everybody has a wonderful um, uh, time pondering these things. And um, I hope that uh, you all come back again and listen to more of this program with me. So, all right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless. Goodbye.